Remind me, everyone, to complain to Beverly about that song. I feel like I'm watching an 80s public access television program. Uh, anyway, welcome to Unsafe Space. Today is, uh, I don't know, Monday, March 28th. God, it's almost the end of March. I'm Carter. You're watching a show we call Narrative Dissonance, um, in which we try and get uh, people from outside the mainstream to have conversations about what we should be paying attention to, what we're being lied uh, lied about to. Um, and uh, and yeah, today might be a little bit different than than normal. We were going to have a roundtable discussion, but as, as Keith uh, mentioned, who I'll bring on in a second, it might be an end table discussion because we're missing some someone that was supposed to be here, but they might be. They might show up late. Um, anyway, uh, normally you can watch us at unsafespace.com. All of our content's there. We usually uh, we have the embedded live stream there as well, although I also was just told that the live stream's not working, so we'll fix that afterwards. So you should be on YouTube, Utreon, Rumble, Odyssey. Those are the places to find us. Um, welcome, welcome, if it's your first time here. Uh, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can also follow us on Twitter at underscore unsafe space and on Getter at unsafe space. Um, the best way to uh, support us, support questioning the mainstream narrative is just to share this content or any content on unsafe space with a friend of yours. And you can also go to unsafespace.com for financial support. It does cost money to do this. So, uh, oh, wait, one more thing. Book club. We do have a book club coming up. On April 24th, it's the abridged version of the Gulag Archipelago. Um, for those of you who have been in book club for a while, you know we changed the format last time. Um, so we each book now has an advocate. Um, the advocate for this book is Thomas St. Thomas. He's gonna um, he's the one who really wanted to read this, so you can blame him for the long uh, book assignment and uh, and join him on April 24th to talk about the book. All right, so. Let's, without further ado, let's let's introduce the panelist who is here, uh, the other half of the end table, I guess. Uh, Keith Bissett. Keith is a writer, a fact checker, reason advocate, critic of, critic of overreaching government, an electrical and systems engineer, and a punk videographer. You can find his work on Uncover DC, the Liberty Solutions podcast, and soon he will be hosting a new series here on Wednesday Space called Rebel Civics. Keith, welcome. Hello. And I agree with you about the music. I felt like I was about to get a, a tooth filled at the dentist. Yeah. I don't know what that was. I, sometimes Beverly's great and other times, you know, she knows what it's like to deal with with, with producers that are pain. So that's okay. Well, uh, Keith, as you know, we um, we normally start with a couple questions and, and kick off a discussion. One of them is, what's the most important story about which the mainstream media has misled people in the past week? I know there's a particular thing that you can't help talking about it. And so I think you should talk about that uh, because um, if our other panelist shows up, she probably won't want to talk about that as much. So you, you and I can talk about that. So we should get so, get that out of the way. So Let's um, get it out of the way, yeah. So the, the way I was thinking of starting this is I just want to point out uh, what the media has been saying about Crimea and the Donbass republics, Luhansk and Donetsk, apologies mm -hmm. to the people for not pronouncing them correctly. Um, they're not part of Ukraine. Like, I object to this whole thing. They're not part of Ukraine. What are they talking about? Uh, eight years ago, all three of them seceded. They had citizens' referendums. They went independent. They're not part of Ukraine. Russia didn't annex Crimea. Crimea left Ukraine became independent, petitioned to join Russia, and Russian accepted them. So this this whole 
idea that Ukraine is like one nation and one country. Like if you go back, you know, I went down the rabbit hole going through Ukrainian history, you go back to 800 when Russia started in Kiev and, and, you know, these lines have been moved around all over the place. So like, that's not one country the, the Western half is a lot of Polish people that used to be part of Poland. Uh, the middle maybe is that what you call Ukraine? I don't know what to call Ukraine. Uh, the Eastern half, they all speak Russian. They're like, they're Russian people even. And they were part of Russia for 50, 75 years. Um, anyway, that's kind of my opening thing that they're lying about. They talk about the annexation of Crimea. Like they, they seceded from Ukraine. No shots were fired. Entirely peaceful. Uh, the only aggression that's happened in the Donbass, in Luhansk and Donetsk, is by the Ukrainian government, who's been shelling them for eight years. I don't know what the real numbers are. CNN says 14,000 people have been killed and like a million and a half people displaced from their homes. Uh, that's Ukrainian government killing people in those yeah. two provinces. So, so let's let's get into Crimea just for a second. So like I, I we've talked about this before, but I, let's start with one and then do the other. Um, I guess, first of all, I, I just want to step back and first of all, acknowledge there's a melting pot. There's a mix of different ethnicities and people who have who have been in that region for generations, and people getting kicked out for one reason or another, or fighting for one reason or another, or being invaded. Like that's how the history of much of Europe goes. So there, are, there's definitely people that can argue. Well, you know, my great grandfather had this land, and like, well, my great 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 grandfather had this land. Well, my great 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 like, okay, like that's that's true. That that does happen. Um, but Crimea in particular. I believe, um, I believe was part of Russia in like 1780 something, somewhere around there. It was officially part of, of Russia. So it, it then became part of the Soviet, Soviet Union. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it's Russia's only, uh, all year deep sea port. So it's extremely important from a military perspective, um, for them. And when, you know, when it became part of Ukraine, when it was quote, given to Ukraine, it was in a weird time. Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. And I forget who it was. I don't think it was Khrushchev, but it might have been. I forget who it was. Someone, I don't think it was. Someone gave, they said, oh, oh fine. Uh, <laughs> Crimea can be part of Ukraine. But it doesn't matter. You all report to the Kremlin. You're all part of the Soviet Union. So who the hell cares? So... It was quote given to Ukraine, and then look I, when when the Soviet Union fell. I think a real question could have been asked, like, well, like who gets what, right? I mean, you and I are both more liberty minded, so kind of you know, as far as I'm concerned, if one family in a house wanted to secede, that's their right; <laughs> they they could do that. But but whatever, um, you know, they the the agreement was Crimea could stay. Part of Ukraine, but Russia gets got to keep uh, the uh, the deep seaport in what's it, Sevastopol or whatever. That, that's the California city. I always I never know how to pronounce it, but um, um that's the deep seaport. Uh, and and that you know that was fine. That's what Russia wanted. Russia had a base there. They had troops there. They kept it there, and it was part of Ukraine, and everyone was happy. Then after the 2014 revolution, which if you want to get into that, we can at some point. The government, the U.S. government and Western powers clearly played a role in because they didn't like who was in charge. 
one of the first things that the new leadership did was say, well, maybe, maybe we will take, we, we will kick, kick the Russians out of the naval base. They didn't do it. They didn't, they didn't like actually try and make a move, but they talked about it. And that was enough for Russia to say, well, like, well, you're not doing that. And I, you know, to say that there was no force, there was a little bit. I think the soldiers left the naval base and stood outside and was like, go home. This is ours now. And the people did vote. Again, the legitimacy of that election, I don't know, but that's a separate issue is whether the West can be lecturing people on legitimacy of elections. So, like, <laughs> there was an election. They voted to be part of Russia, and the soldiers went back inside the base, and that was the end. There was no death. There was no shooting people. Um, and, you know, you can argue whether the election was legitimate, but that's a that's an argument that doesn't require shelling people and going to war. That's an argument you can make that you can talk about and and maybe say, hey, we demand that you have another election and we monitor it or whatever. Like you can you can have those kind of conversations, but that's not how it's been portrayed at all. Right. Um, it's been portrayed as this Russia walked in and annexed Crimea against the will of the Crimean people. And that's just not true. No, and, and you still see this word annex being thrown around. That's not what annex means. Um, the troops are there anyway. It's a huge base. Like that, the town where that base is, like most of the people there, they're involved in the military. And mm -hmm. I think the the West, even though there's a lot of moaning and groaning about it in Ukrainian government and U.S. and other European powers, uh, I think they recognize that if they tried to push on that one, it would be a problem. Like it was going to start a war. Yeah. Uh, you know, certainly a lot of people were like, don't start a war with Russia. That's not a good idea. And if you prevent them from putting ships to sea in the winter, they're they're going to push back pretty hard on that. Uh, the, you know, the Russia was yeah. leasing the base from Ukraine. There was a good, you know, at least some relationship there. Yeah. Um, when when yeah. You, when the Soviet Union split up, uh, they just agreed to lease the base and everything was fine. And people were going yep. back and forth over that border all the time. Yeah. Um, and then I think, and I think shortly after the Crimea incident, I think was it Odessa that the the Ukrainian government was worried that Odessa was going to do something similar, and there was a show of uh, there was a show of pro-Russian support in Odessa, and um, I think that I think the Ukrainian government came in and like just burned it and killed people, and like I'm not sure how closely they linked themselves to it but like it was just a we got to get rid of the the pro-russian sentiment in odessa because they were worried about odessa doing the same thing so the idea that uh there's this unity throughout ukraine of like yeah we're all we're all against we're all very very pro the current ukrainian government and against everything else like that's probably true for many people in many places but not all the places there's a huge i mean all these people wouldn't be trying to leave and and they claim it, it's a democracy. They've been, you know, building up this Zelensky is this pro democracy. Right. Like one of the first things he did is ban men from leaving the country. Like that's not a democracy. Right. Um, and 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 then he like made the uh, I think you talked about last time. If you didn't, I heard it somewhere else. But like he's making the opposition party illegal. Uh, he mm -hmm. made all the media agents part of the state. Like. Yeah, and there's not free press. Like that's not a democracy. We're not protecting a free democracy there. And we could get yeah, into I mean, later the fact that the whole thing was set up by the 
helped by the CIA in 214 with the Q. Go back into that later. But the, yeah. yeah, my point was that yeah. it's the the people and um, mentioned you before, like the people are not the government. So so I hate when people say Russia did this, Russia did that. Uh, it's not the Russia, it's the Kremlin. You can talk about Putin right. and the Kremlin and the Russian government, the Russian military, like, okay, they did stuff. Uh, as far as I can tell, a lot of people from the Russian military don't even really on board. Like, like they're it, leaving right, in yeah. droves, right? Ukraine is offering cash and citizenship to anybody who wants to leave. And some people are taking them up on it. Russian soldiers yeah. is like, what do we just get ourselves into? And they were probably yeah. told we're saving Donbass and... So anyway, that's that's kind of overall lie. Um, the the point about leaving that I, I haven't seen anyone in the mainstream media, and I don't watch a lot of it, but I will watch clips of Tucker Carlson or something. Somebody puts it on Twitter. Um, I don't hear anybody really talking much about that they seceded, um, and and the whole concept that are people allowed to form their own government. Um, I've been making a point and getting jumped on on Twitter and all, but uh, you know. You, when you argue with me on this question, um, I like to to just point out, like, you're not just arguing with me, like you're arguing with Thomas Jefferson. Like, do you yeah. disagree with Thomas Jefferson and James Madison? And you know me, I've always got this thing around, right? My little constitution. So I was just going to read one, one line, if you don't mind. Uh, this is from the yeah. Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government. That's what Crimea and Luhansk and Donetsk have done. Um, so if you think that Ukraine has the the power to, you know, shell them and try to keep them as part of Ukraine, um, you're disagreeing with the Thomas Jefferson in 1776. Like you, you're you're saying that you would have been on the side of the king at Lexington Concord. You would have said, yep, send people out to Lexington and confiscate the arms. We can't let these people get away with this. I side with the king. That's what that position is. So, yeah, I can't tell if there's, I mean, all right, let's play devil's advocate. I can't tell if maybe one of the reasons people push back on that is they say, well, no, because the king wasn't a democracy and democracy is what makes it legitimate. Now, uh, this gets into the my one of my pet peeves for 20 something years which is this this conflation of democracy with liberty like this idea that democracy is somehow a moral form of government um as such and you know democracy is no different than dictatorship if it's just a democracy if that's all it is it's a democracy is is a means to an end um and so in a dictatorship, you have one person who can do whatever he wants, or she, I guess, uh, one person who can do whatever he wants, and and that's, he's got absolute power over you. In a democracy, 51% of the people have absolute power over the other 49%, and it's worse than that because uh, the people who know how to manipulate crowds have power over everyone else because the crowd becomes a tool um so the what makes what made america special and the reason it was worth defending and protecting was not that we were going to vote but that the the government the system of government was at least intended to preserve individual rights and individual rights were the moral foundation and we weren't supposed to be you're not supposed to be able to vote away 
for example, the right to free speech or the Second Amendment, like you're not supposed to be able to vote those away. It's not a demo it's not an unfettered democracy. It's a constitutional government with rules that say you dumb masses can't vote away freedom of speech. I don't care what you vote for. You can't do it. That's the idea behind it. And it's liberty. It's the it's the freedom and the recognition of, recognition of individual sovereignty that gives the U.S. that that gave past tense the U.S. any moral high ground. So to run around and be like, well, Ukraine's a democracy. I'm like, I don't give a crap. Who cares? Are they a constitutional republic with rights enshrined that they're actually trying to preserve? Or do they just have some voting booths? There's a huge difference between those two things, and we just don't care anymore. If we ever and, care. You know, democracy as an ideal, like it'd be fun to talk about whether the voting is legitimate at all, but that's a separate subject. We're kind of taking their argument that voting is supposed to be their ideal. Like that's how you run things by majority vote. Um, right. Another word for that is mob rule. It's right. the same thing. 51% control the the, the 49%. Uh, that's what they mean by democracy. And the word democracy is there's nowhere in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. Like the word democracy isn't in there anywhere. The, the whole setup is like to make sure it's not a democracy. They were adamantly against kings, which includes mob, mob rule. Um, the original setup is the only, you know, the people majority vote for representatives in the house of representatives that's it um presidents aren't picked that way senators anyway so and, and it so it, it's taken their argument that what we're trying to protect is a democracy well first off a democracy is not something to protect that's right. a bad system then secondly ukraine is not a democracy it's not even close <laughs> um you could get back into you mentioned the coup in 2014 when you know victoria nuland and john Kerry. Are, are in Kiev and they're picking a new president in the overthrow. Um, I think it wasn't John Kerry. She was on the phone with it was Peter uh, guy whose name I forget, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, oh, the guy on the phone. Yeah. He, that's a different person. It's um, I think I have his name somewhere in here in notes. I know who you mean that guy, the, the phone conversation. John yeah. Kerry was there though. Uh, yeah. John, you know, John Kerry was the secretary of state or something at the time. Is that right? Secretary of state. John Kerry was Secretary of State. He's in Damn. Kiev during the during the Jeffrey Pratt is the guy she was having the phone call. Jeffrey with. Pratt, Jeff yeah. Jeff Pyatt. Jeffrey Pyatt, it's I mean. spelled. Yeah, um, yeah. Pyatt, P Y A T T, right? So, mm -hmm. Yeah, Jeffrey Pyatt. Um, he was USS. He was U.S. ambassador. Right? Um, uh, I have Secretary of State, but hey, whatever. Who knows? Yeah, sec. Uh, the uh, uh, John Kerry was Secretary of State. That's what I when mean. Oh, yeah. Happened. Jeffrey Pyatt was ambassador. Yeah, I'm sorry. He was the ambassador, I guess, to Ukraine, yeah. right? I'm not sure. Yes. But anyway, yeah, he's heavily involved there. Um, yeah, he was there. Victoria Nuland was there, right? You see the picture yeah. of Victoria Nuland handing out donuts to, to people going into the <laughs> legislature building. Like, what's that? What's up with that? Um, John Kerry made a whole bunch of trips there in the days leading up to it. Um, yeah, the U.S. was heavily involved. So you're protecting this thing that they call a democracy, which is a government that was overthrown. You know, the, the, yeah. the president escaped. Uh, you know, snipers were shooting at his motorcade as as the essentially Nazis were, were going into the parliament building. And he got away because he, uh, he they kind of faked it. They faked the motorcade and he escaped by helicopter and they sent out a fake motorcade in case they blew up his car. He went to Crimea, 
where everybody yeah. speaks Russian. Um, and then he's in exile in Russia now. So, yeah, I don't I don't call it a democracy. So you can't say we're protecting a democracy. That's not the that. Idea. And that whole 2014 thing is kind of I don't think people. I mean, I, I'll be the first to say I don't know what happened, but the fact is that it's it is pretty messy history. Um, it's not super clean cut. It's not like, oh, this is clear. And then this bad guy came in and did this thing right in in 2004. It was um, what uh, Yashenko and um, was it was it Yanukovych? I guess were those that were those the two in, in 2004? I have trouble remembering um, names I can't pronounce. But yeah, that sounds yeah. I recognize I think those it names. was. Yeah, um, it was it was the Yuri Orange Revolution. Shinko. They call him yeah. Yak, right? They Victoria no, that's, uses they meet. No, that's Yatsenyuk that she's talking about. Yeah, that's oh, that's okay. someone else. I'm sorry. Uh, like that's I said, okay. I shouldn't have spoken. No, but I think I think so. Yushchenko is the guy who the U.S. wanted in 2004, and Yanukovych is the guy who um, Putin wanted. Right. Um, he won in 2004, but uh, NATO and the West did not like it. They claimed it was a, you know, they didn't like the election and they forced they they kind of came in. Now, remember, Viktor Yushchenko, who they wanted, his wife actually worked for the State Department in the past. So like he had ties to the West, like there was a very clear tie to the West and Yanukovych, I don't know if he had clear ties to Russia, but he was supported by Putin or, you know, Putin, he was at least Russian leaning or, you know, not anti-Russian. He, um, he grew up in Crimea. He's, he's yeah, partially Russian heritage. They came in and kind of strong armed them into having another election in which Yanukovych lost. And then so then you get Yushchenko in power and that kind of doesn't go the way that they want. And eventually Yanukovych there's another election years later and Yanukovych gets, uh, gets, I think in 2010, he was left alone by the West this time, but in 2010, he got reelected. Um, and now what's what people, when people talk about the Nazis, it's weird to say Nazis in Ukraine because people think of like the German anti-Jew Nazi, very specific Nazi thing. And like, maybe some of them are specific Nazis. They're definitely nationalist and there is a lot of anti-Semitism, but let's talk about, Stefan or Steven Bandera, however you pronounce it, like he was an actual Nazi from the older guard who I believe the CIA actually helped hide in Europe after the war and support. So like he had CIA support um, and a lot of these newer organizations um, have explicitly paid tributes to him, explicitly view him as a as a leader, uh, Trizub, Right Sector, Svoboda. Uh, like a lot of these, the National Socialist Party, like a lot of these are all in Ukraine that like idolized Stephen Bandera and the guy, the president that was prior to uh, Yanukovych had made Stephen, Stephen Bandera a national hero. He had like given him an award and the, and the pro, the quote pro Russian dude, the, the Viktor Yanukovych, when he got elected in 2010, one of the first things he did was repeal the honor. <laughs> from this Nazi dude. Um, so the idea that like, there's just clear cut and dry, like here are the good guys and here are the bad guys and the bad guys did this. and did it. It's like, so not, it's so not true. 
Um, and uh, look, after and when Yanukovych was won in 2010, that's when eventually it led to the 2014 uprising. And that's when you, you get like that phone call with Victoria Newland and Jeffrey Pyatt and, and like picking the government and her saying, well, Yatsenyuk should do this and this person should do that and blah, blah, blah. And like laying out what they wanted for the government and lo and behold, Oh, voila. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of uh, clearly the, the, the radical right wing who was doing the protesting in Maidan. They, they clearly were, um willing to be violent and and it's we still to this day don't know who some of the snipers are or who was shooting whom or what like what happened but there was clearly an escalation an intentional escalation things fell apart the guy flees on his helicopter by this you know <laughs> uh secret decoy thing right yeah he had to flee and and the, the and at the end of the day the US gets what it wants it gets the lineup uh that Victoria Newland wanted that's what that's what they get. And and I and there's examples of people talking about this kind of openly. Um, if you remember who was it that went on some late night talk show? I forget who it was, but someone, some US rep went on to a late night talk show and talks explicitly about, hey, we're hoping that you know Putin's gonna be focused on the Olympics and we can get away with some crap here. So it's you know, this <laughs> this this new like government comes in and they start to talk about getting away with crap. And of course, Putin, for all of his faults, isn't a moron, and he was like, Well, uh don't talk about don't talk about taking Crimea. Uh, that's and that's when the quote annexation happened. He was like, "No, you're not. Don't even have that conversation. You know what? It's ours. The end. Um, they voted for it. Done. Uh, but all of this is is something that I think a lot of people we see um, past documentaries, tweets, speeches all about how messy and problematic things are in Ukraine. And suddenly it's all swept under the rug because uh, it, it runs counter to the narrative that we're being asked to swallow. Sorry, and, I, that was a narrative to start there. a war. Well, mm-hmm. since I'm the only journalist, I think you have to be the other journalist. I can so, be the other journalist. <laughs> so, so we can still call it a round table. Um, I'm still going with the end table. I like that description. End table. Yeah, this is an end table. (laughs) Media end table. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and I I wrote down a couple quotes from from Kerry, who was, yeah, that that Jeffrey Pyatt was involved. But Mm -hmm. if you want to just think, like, go back to 214, like, the U.S. was messing with Ukraine. You can go back to World War II and earlier, right? They're already yes, messing yes. around with that. Germany was in there, I think Turkey for a while. Who who knows who was you have to go back to like the year eight hundred and, and it's and, and you'd get a headache if you go down that rabbit hole. I spent a whole afternoon doing that and I was like, Wow. Um, I don't even know what Ukraine means. What, what is it's not one people. That's why I kind of started with that. Um and by the way, what's know, wrong uh, with letting regions say we're independent now? And like, okay, fine. What's wrong with letting that happen? Why do we have to support? No, you have to answer to Kiev. Yeah, and and they never really have. They've always been kind of separate. They mostly speak yeah. Russian. And yeah, it's hard to figure out what the votes are. I mean, the reported numbers are like in the 90% of, of the people who bothered to vote. And a very high number of people voted. Now, who knows if that's real? That's like right. looking at voting results at Moscow. Um but clearly there's a lot of sentiment there. And when, you know, when Russia moved in in four different waves, two of them were through Donetsk and Luhansk. 
And there wasn't that much resistance there. Like they pretty much, okay. A lot of people were like, well, yeah, okay. You can come through here. Um, well, they asked to be part of Russia previously and, and, and the Kremlin said, no. Kremlin said no. And and maybe Putin was, I don't know what Putin's motives are. Maybe he was trying not to stop a war. I've listened to some of Putin's speeches, translated versions and like, just kind of sounds nationalist. I'm not defending him, but it's not hard to figure out what he wants and why he's doing this. Uh, I think my view is that if he just stopped in Damas, if he just went into Damas and went up to the end and stopped the Ukrainian government from killing people there, um, I think we should have said, well, okay. <laughs> he stopped the war. <laughs> he could have done that, but he didn't. He had to go further. So I don't know if he's like posturing or he's, you know, playing a card game. Who knows? Well, he's been he pretty clear about the NATO chess thing. like Trump. He's been clear all along. And Zelensky in, you know, six months or whenever it was ago, he's at some conference in like Austria and he says, yes, of course we want to be part of NATO. And, and, you know, the, the movement of NATO, like they should have dissolved NATO when the cold war ended. Like that's the peace dividend. Where's this peace dividend, but they need an excuse to spend a billion dollars a year, U S government and and the the military industrial complex, whatever you want to call that. Um, They're still spending a billion dollars a year. They're spending more now than they were when cold war ended. Um, so they have to start new wars. Uh, if they can't find a war, they'll stir one up. So it seems to me that's what they're doing here. Um, Can I pull up a tweet done. that? Uh, uh, let me let me find this tweet. This is a this is so great. It speaks to what you're saying. Here is this is October 9th, twenty twenty. So a year and a half ago. This is from John Brennan. Um, so if you, if you don't know who John Brennan is, he's the CIA. Yeah. Director, um, he says, imagine prospects for world peace, prosperity and security. If Joe Biden were president of the United States and Alexei Navalny, Navalny, the president of Russia, he's Putin's enemy, will soon be halfway there. And then he quotes some. Then he quotes John a communist Lennon. song. <laughs> yeah. A, a, then he a quotes promotion of communism. Um, so but, yeah, does this mean that John Brennan <laughs> wants the whole world to be run by a communist government or does he want the whole world to be run by NATO? I think it's one of those two. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know sure if there's which. much of a difference, but I look at these and I say, well, <laughs> look, I mean, he's, he's explicitly saying we don't want Putin and soon we're going to be halfway to getting rid of Putin. Um, or like, which I think he means the halfway is Biden being president because this is right before the election. So he did he, two things. He says mm-hmm. Joe Biden, president and uh, Alexei Navalny, president of Russia. So he's saying, oh, soon we'll have Joe as president. We're, hey, we're halfway there. But he, there's clearly a, an agenda here. And it's funny because Biden the other day added on at the end of his speech. I don't think it was part of his written speech. I think it was something he added extemporaneously. But um, well, I'm skeptical. Uh, if it makes yeah, sense. it's hard to tell. He might not know either because it's Biden, right? But uh, <laughs> he's he made a remark that like Putin's got to go or Putin can't stay there. I forget exactly what, but I'm paraphrasing. Like we can't keep can't Putin can't stay, um, which caused a lot of controversy, obviously, because uh, this is this is on the heels of. So we had we had uh, Lindsey Graham call for Putin's assassination. We had. 
Jen Psaki say somewhat humorously, it's not the policy of the United States to, for regime change and, and assassination of leaders is not something that the United States does, which is just hilarious. Uh, and then Biden is like, Putin's got to go. It's like, all right, well, you know. That sounds I, like I, a slip. Like he's getting a little senile and he accidentally said the truth. Because I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure that Biden has been in conversations for decades talking about that. So he's heard about how Putin's got to go for um, certainly since before he was vice president, like when he was senator, they were talking about it. Um, they probably were talking about it. You know, I, I don't know how far back that goes. I mean, I went down that that path just looking like how far back is Biden involved in this? So when he tweets like Biden is halfway there, like I I think he's right. Biden is halfway there because Biden has been working on this for a long time. Yeah. Since at least the Obama administration. Um, if you just look at the money, like Biden just said they're going to send a billion dollars to Ukraine. I'm rounding off like they're going to send a billion dollars worth of stuff and money and assistance. Um, the last time Biden sent a billion dollars to Ukraine, it was to get a prosecutor removed. Now, now, you know, CNN says I, I read the CNN fact check on that. It said, no, he didn't leverage a billion dollars to stop his son from being prosecuted. He leveraged a billion dollars. They CNN reported they did. He did leverage a billion dollars, uh, but he wanted to get a prosecutor fired. So I guess it was a coincidence that this it was unrelated was to the fact overseeing that the someone who was investigating his son. That's a funny yeah, coincidence. Totally. Yeah. For like a very well-paying job in a company, an energy company, a business he knows absolutely nothing about. I, I just to be clear, very well paying she doesn't like, speak. Yeah, very well paying. We're talking, was it like 80k a month or 60k a month? It was some ridiculous amount a month there to sit on the board position. of directors and get his dad to have a meeting with people. Maybe That's his dad would have a meeting. Yeah. yeah. And he knows nothing about the energy business. And he doesn't speak Ukrainian. They conduct <laughs> like like what was he doing at the board meetings? If he went, I don't know. Did they zoom him in with a translator? I, I don't know. Um, maybe Hunter Biden learned Ukrainian for this job. I, 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 well, I he's the smartest that. man that that Joe Biden knows. So, so I tracked this a little bit. So I think about the money. So they send him. There's Joe Biden. Joe Biden's a major part. Joe Biden sending a million dollars, a billion dollars. Uh, Joe Biden sent them a billion dollars about the prosecutor. He withheld a billion dollars. Uh, I went back. I was just saying, well, how far back does this go? I went back a little further. Uh, the time before that, when they sent Ukraine a billion dollars, um, it was John Kerry. And it was on March the 4th, 2014, like a couple days after the coup. John Kerry went to Ukraine uh, under Joe Biden instructions with Obama <laughs> right. being part of it. Um, and he said he brought a billion dollars in loan and technical assistance. It's a billion dollars. And, I, and I, I found an article on that. Well, I'll send Beverly some of these links if you want to put them in the notes. But uh, yeah, he, he, he said, and, and some of the quotes, I wrote down some funny ones. Kerry, he says he doesn't understand Putin's objections to the U.S. giving the new Ukrainian <laughs> government, who just the CIA just helped oust a president and... Putin sure knew that the guy was handpicked, right? That yeah, that yeah. spoofed phone call, tapped phone call release, that probably came through the Kremlin, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, who else would do that? You know, who else is good enough at that stuff to tap the secretary of state and, right. the, and, the, and who the cares? Kool like China and, maybe could do it, but what do they care? Yeah. China could do it. The uh, oceans 11 team could do it, but, <laughs> right. you know, but you know, who, who would, who would do that? You know? Um, so Kerry said uh, in, in this article, Kerry says uh, he demands that Putin get the Russian troops out of Crimea. Like it's a demand. He's saying Putin is trying to start a war. If he didn't want to start a war, he'd pull all the Russian troops out of Crimea. Well, there's a Navy base there, John. <laughs> um, right. And, and he has that. an agreement and he's, there's a lease. Yeah, <laughs> they have a lease. Uh, yeah. And he said uh, Russia has been working hard to create a pretext to invade. That's a, that's yeah. I'm paraphrasing a John Query quote from 2014. Um, really? Uh, so so in that March, like right after uh, he Kerry met with all the leaders of the protest movement. And he met with the new president, which was picked by Victoria Newland and Pryat. And he met with the the prime minister. Like that's what he was doing there, with a billion dollars. That, that was the talking, Yeah, the new one. Yeah, the the yeah they called it the interim government, right? Because mm-hmm. he didn't stay there that long before the next guys. Wait, who was so, from, by the way, uh, the Fatherland Party? That sounds not Nazi the at all. Fatherland right? Party. Where'd they get that <laughs> name from? That's a good one. Um, I don't know. I read I another know. another article. And I'll tell you, like a really easy way to search, like, did people know this was going to happen? I thought, I know who probably knew about this. Ron Paul. I bet you Ron Paul knew about this. Oh, sure. So yeah, this morning, probably. he was like, do a quick search. I did a quick search. Ron Paul, Ukraine, 2014 coup. Like the first thing that pops up this article, it's um saying that they're going to start a war. And this is in February. This is like a month before the coup. <laughs> Sorry, let me find this. Like, did they know? Yeah, February 2014. Um, uh, he talks about uh, Jeffrey Pyatt, uh, what he was doing. He was caught on tape plotting the overthrow of the democratically elected government of Ukraine. Like, this this is uh, this is before the war. Um, he said that Secretary of State John Kerry demanding that they cease using force against the rebels who are seeking to overthrow the government. Like John Kerry in February was demanding that the Ukrainian government stop, stop trying, stop using force to prevent an overthrow, a violent overthrow of the government. Um, you said that led by that, article, that is very clearly led by like a lot of really right wing Nazi type of people. Like there's not argument there. Like that's very clear. There's no argument there. They they openly they were openly Nazis. Like okay, they're not exactly the same as the Nazis in Germany in the 1940s, but. Uh, they carry. They wear Nazi symbols. They they honor the Nazi war heroes. They use their slogans. A lot of um, anti-Semitism. They carry the flag. Anti-Semitism. They got a couple other things. They also hate Russians. Like, okay, all right. So sure. you hate Jews and Russians. Like, it's kind of the same thing, dude. Um, and the Canadian embassy, w- when when the uh, the police or the army, I guess, reason a military trying to stop them. The Canadian embassy openly harbored these guys. Like these Nazis were in there, and Victoria Nuland was involved. Like that's what yep. they did with them. I guess they thought it was a little risky to let them go into the U.S. embassy, so they had them go into the Canadian embassy. Like, and the sniper you talked about that head sniper. Like supposedly, I've seen multiple sources say guy was trained by the CIA in Poland, like a few years before all this sniping was going on. 
And he was the head of those that group that was sniping at certain government officials and not at other ones. Right. It, like like yeah. this goes way back. And and that's this is as far as I went back. So there's a billion dollars in 2014. There's a billion dollars to prosecute. There's a billion dollars right now going. And Joe Biden is all over this. That's why that video was taken down. You're the one who told me about that. The uh, Ukraine on fire. The oh, Shin yeah. Video where, where he's like interviews Putin. And they're saying, don't expand NATO. Like we can't we can't do this like th they do. That's why YouTube had to pull that video. It exposes Biden. So I yeah. think that tweet is right. Like, yeah, Biden's been at this. So to go all the way back to how you started this, when I said I was really skeptical that Biden said something off the top of his head that wasn't on script and it made sense. I think he's heard we got to get rid of Putin. And he's been part of figuring out how to get rid of Putin, even if it starts World War Three, for decades. So that's in there. Biden's long term yeah. memory is fine. It's just <laughs> it's rattling around in there from exposure. And he yeah. slipped up. He slipped up and said it in public. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's that's what I. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I just I'm going to I never go ahead. Sometimes people say the truth if you listen to them. That does include Biden. <laughs> yeah, often, often they'll slip up and make a mistake. Um, yeah, they blurt uh, out, so blurt I, out the truth I, under pressure. <laughs> I want to show. I didn't. This is not. Um, this was a work in progress that I actually abandoned a couple weeks ago. But I'm just going to show it so people can see. You know, this wasn't much work that I did. And it's going to look like a crazy person's uh, whiteboard. But I just looked like I just name, I just connect, look for connections between like, okay, uh, here's Ukraine. Here's, here's Yanukovych. Here's Yatsenyuk. Here's Yushchenko. What are their connections? And you can see it helps paint a picture of like, okay, the CIA supported this guy. These guys are all massive right wing people. These are all like, these are all basically Nazi type of people. And you can see how they get inserted into the government. This is all basically just around 2014. But you can see the relation here. You can see that um, the U.S. has not been, shall we say, on the sidelines for any of this. And there's not no Nazis involved. Like, the, And these are just the, these are just a few major players from the 2014 time frame. Um, and, you know, if I had time, I would do more. But. Well, if you, you start to that's do this chart. kind of thing, if well, if you start I, I, to just do this, you realize, holy crap, this is this doesn't even include Hunter. The Joe's here, but it doesn't include Hunter. It doesn't include the the billion dollars. So you create like it doesn't include anything. It's it's a very scant chart, but the connections here are eye opening. It's and you, you just graphically you look at it, it gives you the gives you a good picture. Like there's only if I counted right, like the biggest degree of freedom is four. Like all these people tied to the US government yes. with the biggest end being four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got cousins that are further away than this, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> these people so are all talking to each other, right? They are. We're talking to somebody who's talking. I know a guy who knows a guy. There's a lot of that going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I the other thing I'm a little bit concerned about. So, you know, it, it, when I look at the when I look at the situation in Ukraine, I'm I do feel bad for the Ukrainian 
people. I think they're stuck in the middle of this, uh, you know, Putin's aggression and the West's. Uh, I think the West is better at, you know, Putin has the more masculine form of aggression, which is just right up, you know, straight up. I'm going to I'm going to Will Smith you on stage. Boom. Right. Like, that's what I'm going to do. And the West has a much more feminine, manipulative. I'm going to start a propaganda campaign, lie about you behind your back, set things up so that I can say, oh, look, at look, at look at how aggressive you got with me. How dare you? Um, right. So they're both bad. They're both toxic. Uh, and the Ukrainian people are stuck in the middle. And it really sucks. It, it would suck to be a Ukrainian because I also can't tell what's um, we're hearing from mainstream media a lot of the Russians are violating uh, they're violating uh, there's war crimes that the Russians are committing against Ukrainians and and we're gonna you know we're documenting all these and we're gonna go after them. But also if you pay attention to alternate media, there's I just watched a video today. Guy had the blue tape armband on the the, the video uh, the guy the guy that posted the video. It's from uh, crap. I forget where it was. Like uh, some some city in Ukraine. I don't remember the name of the city. Um, oh, uh, Kharkov, K H A R K O V. I don't know how you pronounce it. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is a video. He he's saying it's a Ukrainian soldier. I can't. I don't know. I can't tell. He does have the blue uh, armband thing, which is a, a sign for people who volunteer for Ukrainian army to do. On the right, on the right arm, they keep switching it around. What's it supposed to be? But that's what it is right now. And it, he's killing. He's, it's a horrible video to watch. He's murdering a guy ruthlessly with a knife, um, who's just lying on the ground screaming as he's getting stabbed because he is a uh, suspected of having Russian contacts. Um, and according to this, in the video, representative of the Ukrainian army executes a person in the most cruel way, accusing the person of having links with Russia. At the end of the video, the killer says, glory to Ukraine, death to enemies. And the guy who posted this, like, I'm in, I'm, I'm in Kharkov, and this is what I worry about every day. Now, I don't know. I'm not going to say that particular. I'm not showing it because I don't, it's A, it's horrific. B, I don't know that it's legitimate. Like, I, I have no way to verify this. But if you look at the alternate media, there's a lot of alternate media showing like, here's here's Ukrainians doing horrible things to Russians. So it's like, okay, well, I you know it's kind of hard to tell. I was talking to my wife about this this morning, and we 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 thought maybe China, maybe China's media is is actually the least biased because they kind of don't give a shit. Uh, they might be a little bit biased. But she said in, in Chinese media, there's lots of videos going around of Ukrainians pretending to be dead and like sitting up after being under a tarp to like have a smoke break and then go back down for a photo op or whatever. Like there's like a lot of stuff going on. So we know, I mean, it, I certainly believe the claims that Putin is putting out propaganda, but we are too. And it's really hard to sort through what the hell is true. It's it's all propaganda, right? So this, yeah, yeah. The, the the false dichotomy of the good guys and the bad guys. Like actually, when you dig into it, they're all bad. They're all it's bad. All guys. propaganda. <laughs> Ukrainian government's bad. The Russian government's bad. The U.S. government's bad. So when you say when you point out something that well, maybe Putin actually made sense here, or maybe Zelensky said something that made sense, and surprise to me, Biden said something that made sense. Like yeah, they you should listen to them, but. They're all putting out propaganda. They all have an agenda. 
and I don't think any of them have the agenda of peace. That's not that's not what they want. Uh, and you know, the Western Putin talk about the Western influence and talks about culture. You know, I mentioned that you hear him. He sounds nationalist. Um, yeah. he, he sounds to me like he could be, if he's in the U.S., he could probably run as a Republican. Um, he just have to change a few things. He said, way well, he says things, but um, he'd be this kind of center-right nationalist pro-country Republican. Um, invading other countries, that's not a good thing, but I don't think that's a big problem for a Republican or a Democrat president. You know, <laughs> Obama, Obama started more wars than any president in U.S. history. Um, I mean, they have no problem with invading other countries and overthrowing governments. Like that's fine in DC, right? Make a lot, a lot of people make a lot of money on that. I'm, I'm glossing it over a little, um, but we have no, by we, I shouldn't even use that because I admonished the other US people government. for saying the government is the people. <laughs> the U S government is in no position to tell other people how to run an election after our last election here. Like, right. Where did, where do you get that? You know? I would think and they also are in laugh. no position. Yeah. And they're also in no position to tell people whether they can can or can't invade another country that they view as some sort of threat to them eventually. Like it's in their best interest. We do things that are in our in our best interest all the time. Well, it's really important that we, you know, destroy Afghanistan and Iraq and or whatever, or support these guys in Syria and now the other guys in Syria and blah, blah, blah. like it's. It's really important that we meddle in countries all the time that aren't on our border uh, because yeah, I'm, I'm putting really important in quotes, but that's the justification, right? And then suddenly when another country does it, not that it's good, but when another country does it, suddenly we're on our like moral high horse. How dare you? How dare you hurt innocent people? <laughs> Where no, have you I, been? I hate, I hate the, I hate the uh, well, you did it too argument, but it is actually true. Like you guys did it too. If Putin said, well, you did it too. What's a big deal? I mean, I think the U.S. government have to say, yeah, yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it's the you did it too argument is is not a justification, but it is a reason. It is it is important to point out the hypocrisy of the West, right, or Western yeah, leaders. We'll say you can you can just just pick another area. You mentioned Afghanistan, Iraq. I don't remember which, but. Yeah, I mean, Afghanistan was invaded by the Russians. That's the last time Putin tried something like this that I know of. Or, I mean, Russia mm -hmm. tried something like this. Uh, they invaded Afghanistan. The U.S. government said, oh, we're going to give them their Vietnam. So guess what they did? They sent, like, tons of money and training and weapons to Osama bin Laden. <laughs> That's how he got his start. And he successfully and was a major yep. Mujahideen. Uh, that's how the Taliban got going. And that, that's eventually how that whole organization was founded. Um, it was to kick the Russians out of Afghanistan. Um, yep. And so the U.S. government's totally involved in that. Then like 10 years later, I guess we switched sides. I don't know. Osama bin Laden did get mad when they go into Iraq. Like there's a big mess. Like we spent 20 years and a couple trillion dollars to take Iraq from the Taliban and then turn it over to the Taliban with a bonus of leaving some helicopters and tanks and guns and stuff. Um, and, and you mean destroy a country like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Afghanistan. Yeah. I yeah. switched from Iraq. Iraq's more yeah. fun. Cause then you can talk about how we funded Saddam Hussein. Right. I'm, I'm yeah. old. I'm, I'm old enough to remember that. <laughs> 
when well do you remember when even afghanistan sorry go ahead go ahead i was just going to finish the iraq one um yeah that i'm not going all that far back but if you recall uh iraq when saddam hussein was kind of younger in power saddam hussein invaded iran um and this was after the 79 coup because for since 59 to 79 you Iran, you know, when the CIA helped overthrow the democratically elected president of Iran in uh, 54, I think it was 54, the coup there, there yeah. totally CIA involved. Then the U.S. is like heavily part of Iran funding, all kind of trade. Girls are walking around in miniskirts in Tehran in the 60s. Like that's a totally Western. And then but that that was really backlash to that. So we're funding Iran. We hate Iraq then. We're funding Iran. Then. uh 79, they kind of switch. Um, then they encourage Saddam Hussein, hey, why don't you invade Iran? So then Saddam Hussein invades, starts a war, goes on for 10 years. I don't remember the number, but like millions of people are killed in an ongoing 10-year war. U.S. is totally funding the one side. like, And Russia's yeah. funding the other side. Like, okay, you know, everybody switch. And then uh, you go a decade later, like, oops, now we're invading what was their buddy, Saddam Hussein. And <laughs> right. uh, now we're fighting him. And like, I hope you guys don't mind, but he's got lots of American weapons because we gave them to him. And have, and all these people in his army are trained by the U.S. And yeah. and who knows who, who's going on. So anyway, I kind of went off on a hypocrisy rabbit hole, but just trying, you know, trying to understand Ukraine um, at the 50,000 foot level. It looks the same. Um, it looks very similar. And uh, Biden is all over this going back as far as I went, I didn't stop going back. You know, I mean, I did stop going back. Biden's still there. Went back to before the Obama presidency. Biden is involved in this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a, and there's a, a, a I don't want to downplay the amount of, of propaganda that happens in the U S to legitimize the behavior of the government. We know that the, the CIA has, explicitly talked about um uh consulting with hollywood and how like helping them portray america in the in the right way and like that that quote right way um we know that that happens i think um i think even obama signed some kind of legislation uh, about that but i don't remember what it was but it happened before then and if you if, do you remember the old whenever you talk about the mujahideen i, I always remember the there was an old James Bond movie with Timothy Dalton. Remember he was, he was like James Bond for one or two movies. Uh, I don't remember, but he, he was in Afghanistan and the Mujahideen were our friends. And like, that was the thing like, Oh yeah. Well, cause we're fighting the evil Russians, the evil Soviet union. And they're the bad guys. Um, so the, so but again, they're portrayed as these freedom fighters and they're on our side. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're dealing opium, but that's just because they, you know, need to pay the bills. And uh, <laughs> like, this is what we're doing. And it, it, they, Hollywood helped set a narrative so that you would view, like, oh, yeah, we're helping these, these, you know, relatable freedom fighters. Uh, nothing was portrayed of like, these are kind of, crazy religious zealots uh <laughs> no they're they we're helping the freedom fighters against the evil russia and so it's it it paints this very simplistic you know 
Crayola representation of everything. Um, and so the American people, you know, they're bought into the whole thing. Uh, and I don't, you know, and there were other movies. There are plenty of movies about that, that featured, I think one of the Rambo movies featured stuff in Afghanistan and yeah. the Russians were bad and like, the and, Russians were know, bad. The U.S. was helping the freedom fighters. Right? The freedom and fighters Rambo again jumps in and gets involved. Yeah, then he escapes the to pa fighters. Pakistan. Like that was the place to <laughs> back off. Like you go to Pakistan, they're buddies. Yeah, because before so it's, Pakistan it's, had nuclear weapons. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the whole thing is so. I mean, it would be it's funny. It's also just just it's uh, depressing. Um, yes, I yes. when I'm laughing just to be clear here it's because i would might start crying like it's if you don't laugh you'll cry at this like it's ridiculous yeah. so yeah everybody's bad and and as soon as you say something you get a, attacked as being a, a putin apologist or somebody else apologist biden yeah. or trump or who knows next thing you know you'd be i'm a apologist for the sandinistas you know when when oliver north was involved in brokering weapons that they sold to iran i forget the whole deal but the yeah. sandinistas and anti-sandinistas and they throw overthrow nicaragua like like the us is like you say hypocritical that's what you say us defending yeah. an election and defending a democracy and um even though you can say it's evil what putin's doing is horrible sure um, yeah but but what ukraine is doing is horrible and what the us government is doing is horrible and now you're just playing this game of like, who's worse? Like, I don't even want to get into that game. Yeah. Gosh. You know, uh, Ramo Gray Wolf is said something in the chat, which I, it's interesting. It's funny to me how not funny, but it's, uh, I think intellectually interesting and just worth noting how interconnected things are. He says the wor world needs opium supply. Why can't we legalize and they can be their own businessmen no longer shoved into a black market. I, I think there's something interesting to note about that by making by making opium black market as he also points out poppy is one of the only crops that can really grow in afghanistan uh it's a difficult uh environment by making things like this illegal it gives us power um because the truth is whoever is whenever the the opium lords are on the right side of the narrative based on who's in control we are willing to look the other way and let them do whatever they want. The black the black market is just, I mean, in a world in which the government ultimately controls the entire economy and is willing to shoot you for not paying a cigarette tax or whatever the hell that you like when they're willing to do anything, uh, the legitimate market and the black market are actually just two shades of <laughs> two shades of gray. Um, and you can go to jail for being in a legitimate market, but not crossing T's and dotting I's or doing whatever it is your, your government wants. And you can be allowed to operate if it fits the long-term agenda of some globalist, you know, either some globalist agenda or there's some longer term agenda that the U S cares about. And so sure, sell your opium. Um, but it, it's a way to give regulating things and making things illegal is a way, not just to get power over your own population, but it gives power over, everything because we justify a lot of extra uh extra continental military activity uh or i won't say extra continental uh extra national military activity through the war on drugs that's our justification well we got to shut down this supply we got to do this we got to do that like all right uh so either you support the right people that we want or we're gonna start going after you for 
trading in opium or whatever it is. I imagine the yeah, same opium. thing happens in, in South America for other uh, South America, except it's just cocoa leaves that grow good there. So co right. it's cocaine. So yeah, the, so the CIA is importing cocaine into the US and shipping drugs down to the Sandinistas with, with George Bush, the older one involved. Right. And, and that's tied with Iran, that they're using that to support Iran. And that's after Congress said that, told the CIA, you're not allowed to fund the, the anti-Sandinistas anymore. So they had to switch how they did it. So they went into the drug business. They have no problem with that. Uh, they did it in Vietnam. Like Vietnam, they were bringing drugs back in. Like the, the U.S. government has no problem with the drugs business. You see it happening with, now we're really off topic, but you see it happen with marijuana, right? That, that, that you can go mm -hmm. from, you're going to serve 20 years in jail for selling marijuana to you, you might have to serve seven years in jail for not paying your income tax on the marijuana that you're selling. Right. And, and that happened. Like I, I took a nap and it's like switched. And now I drive around and I live in Florida. There's like <laughs> signs all over the place for, for pot. I'm like, why does yep. this gas station have a pot sign? <laughs> Big green yeah. leaf, CBD oil. Like, this is weird. Like, this wasn't yep. like this when I was in high school. I mean, they, well, you know, you say yeah. the government wants to be your drug dealer. First, they hate drug dealers. They'll shoot you for it. Now they want to be the drug dealer. They don't care. Yeah. And, and something that I would say to the people who are all about legalizing marijuana, which obviously I agree with, uh, you know, philosophically. Remember that the states that are legalizing it, very few of them are actually legalizing it in the way that you imagine. It's not like it doesn't become like any other thing you just buy at the store they're they're viewing because the states have gotten so bloated and bureaucracy has gotten so big they are rubbing their hands in greed going oh we an industry we can regulate and extract money from and it totally distorts the industry and it and uh you know it means if you're a big player with a lot of money and and can uh willing to bribe people or afford um lobbyists to have the laws work in your way, you you get the grift off of it. And if you're just if you were just a dude who was kind of a normal drug dealer on the street selling marijuana, and now you want to go legit, like it's not that easy. You can't really do that. That's not the goal. The goal is not to make it legal. The goal is to make it theirs. <laughs> That's it, what the goal, still is. Not the goal if, is. to make it. Theirs. You know the, the the idea of a free market and and just marijuana. And marijuana is a great example because it's such a mild drug and it's just a weed that just grows. Right. Yeah. But, you know, farmers is some expertise to being good at it. Um, the, the, the places where they're changing the rules on that, uh, is it more of a free market now than it was when I was in high school? Uh, maybe not. No, <laughs> you know, in fact, I will say more this. Of a free market back then. Yeah. A lot of people look to California because it's very famous for uh, first, especially. Yeah, especially. Well, no, Colorado, like other states were first. Oh, uh, Colorado. Although. Although California medical. did medical stuff yeah. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Medical. Yeah. Um, but you know, people look up, up in the North is very well known for, um, growing and, uh, something that I think people don't realize at least last I checked, which might've been a year or so ago, but, um, since California made recreational cannabis legal, uh, the black market's still bigger than the legit market because they put so much regulation and so much bureaucracy in between, you know, the plant and the consumer that a lot of people are, and actually a lot of the growers 
voted against legalization because this is what they thought they were like oh no they're going to regulate the hell of it it's much easier, it's much better to just be on the black market like just you know just do our thing um and so now it's heavily regulated and you still have a black market um but the the cops and that go after you are different than the other cops these are cops that are mad that you're not paying taxes or going through the regulatory rule you know following the regulatory rules rather than the war on drugs cops it's a different set of cops but you know uh, Different black thugs. market's still there. Yeah. Still the, the thin blue line is still doing its job. <laughs> yeah. Getting money they, for they the have government. To have something to do. Yeah. Protecting protecting the government, getting money for the government. Um, right. It's just like, uh, it's, it's analogous to the, the, the crop. Yeah. It's analogous to the end of the Soviet Union, right? But I heard Putin say this, which uh, I this is one of those things that I totally agree with what, that he said. Uh, he was like, well, when the Soviet, I'm paraphrasing, but like when the Soviet Union fell apart, uh, the question becomes like, well, what do you need NATO for? Can we join NATO? And he said, we asked, if we asked the U.S. if we could join NATO, and they were like, no, I no, can't fucking join NATO. That would ruin He's it. Like, well, why not? That would ruin yeah, it. Yeah, that, that yeah, though it's it's an anti-U <laughs> club. What are you talking about? Yeah, like you're not allowed in the anti-Russia club. Um, well, but, we need we need know, another. We, we would need, need another enemy. Russia. Like who would be the Russia? You say, okay, well, right. should we pick China? Maybe if he, maybe if Putin said, hey, let's let's pick China. Say, yeah, oh, right. Yeah, he okay, needs to come cool. in with a bad that's guy. That's cool. You can come. <laughs> need a bad guy, right? Like, yeah, like but he was the, a little uh, bit too Japanese... early. China wasn't as big of a threat at that point, so he needed. Yeah, it would have been better if they waited for. You you have to have an enemy. Remember reading the 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 quote of uh, I forgot his name the the Japanese prime, whatever they call him, the king, I guess, before, as World War II was kicking off when. The emperor, when when they were trying Hoto to uh, it was. Yeah. get get uh, Huratua, I think he might have been a general, but um, they were trying to get Japan, like Hitler's, like wants to fire up Japan too. Let's 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 be a team. And uh, the the Japanese emperor said, like, this is awesome what you're doing here. Like, I'm paraphrasing. He didn't use that word, but he thought it was great. And he said, and Hitler's like, you should do this too. You should do this too. And he says, but we have no Jews. <laughs> like hey, he thought if, it was a great idea but japan guess what japan's like a hundred percent japanese they had no, <laughs> and this is like a 1935 or something what do you think japan looked like you know what it looks like now like what it looked like 1935 yeah there was, was like one, one guy, korean was, guy yeah. walking around it was like what's this <laughs> korean guy doing here <laughs> let alone a let alone a jew like and he didn't care about he wasn't anti-semitic really he just he needed an enemy that was really my point i know it's kind of yeah silly joke but you need an enemy and nato needs an enemy like without an yeah. enemy how can you There's justify no spending a trillion dollars a year you need an enemy yeah and putin putin does play the enemy good he's oh yeah <laughs> kind of plays the part nicely you know he does i don't he know does. who they would use if they didn't have him china uh, doesn't really work like like um <laughs> China get, doesn't like, work very well. Shirtless on a horse or something for them. So they got good photo ops for like, look at the crazy enemy. Like, yeah, she doesn't do I'm, that. I'm talking to you through a laptop that was made in China. I'm looking at you through a camera that was made in China. <laughs> um, you know, I do have some Russian products here. I, I was going to bring a bottle. Uh, when when all this happened, like the second day, I wrote an article. I was really mad. Like, what are you talking? The Russian people didn't do anything. What are you mad at the Russian people for? And uh, we were almost out of vodka. Occasionally we have a 
happy hour vodka drink. Like we get some vodka. I want Russian vodka because I don't care about the, the people that my point earlier about the people, like I think the people making vodka in Russia, they didn't invade Ukraine. They're probably no. trying to get on the bus to go to work and they're, they're mad. Their Apple pay doesn't work. They can't get on the subway. Right. Um, so I went to look out on the total wine website. No, nope, it's all pulled. You look up Russian vodka brands on total wine. It redirects you to a page with the Ukrainian flag. I'm like, I'm tired of the Ukrainian flag. It's a cool flag with the wheat and the sky and all. But every time I go for a walk, there's Ukrainian flags all over the place. Like these people took down whatever they had up before. I guess the COVID emblem or something. I don't know what they had it before. Now they got Ukrainian flags. Anyway, yeah, that one. And they go to another one. There's another wine store here. Go on their webpage. Nope, can't get in there. Um, but I found one. So yeah, we bought a big bottle of Russia Standard Vodka. Pretty good. Um, I, 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 I say, well, I support the Russian people. I support the Ukrainian people. I support the American people. I support the Afghan people. I support the Iranian people. Um, I know people who lived in Iran for 20 years and left in 79. Like Iran is a cool place. Uh, I mean, yeah. and, and the people there, um, most people in most countries are fine. I mean, everywhere you go in the world, like it turns out most people are actually cool. They just want so to live just, their lives and be normal, like most people. Most people. And that includes yeah. Ukrainian. And I think it includes Crimea and Donbass. And it probably and it includes the Polish people in the western part of Ukraine that would just as soon be in Poland now and are flooding the borders trying to get out. Yeah. Um, these people know what Russia could do. I, I mean, I don't like to compare Russia to the Soviet Union, but there is some analogies there. Like Russia has done this sort of thing. If you want to talk about Russia, I don't know if the people there are easier to get to do this, but it's a super oppressive place. Like, see the journalists hold up a sign, you know, stop the war. They arrest her. Like, yeah, gotta, yeah. You don't really know what the Russian people think, what the majority of Russian people, they could get put in jail for telling you what they think. Um, they don't just get kicked off of yeah. Twitter. Um, yep. And, and there's a lot of Western influences. You start like like the whole culture is moving western culture is moving closer um and putin has complained about the the influx of the lgbtq plus and woke ideology and the gender dysphoria and destruction of the family i listened to a whole speech he made a couple months ago it was i i, I told you i got done like if you took like four words out it would be a, a republican party campaign speech for president yeah. like it was um, except he, he doesn't really like the idea of people having weapons. Yeah, you, you wouldn't want to ask him about that question. But on the culture stuff, uh, he just sounded like a center-right nationalist to me. And he yeah. doesn't like seeing what's going on in Ukraine uh, and in some of the other countries. Like I was reading a little bit about, uh, I'll probably get these wrong, Latvia, Estonia, with some of the ones above, like the, the, the prime minister of... Um, I think it was Latvia or Estonia. Like he grew up in New Jersey, um, <laughs> born and raised in New Jersey. I oh, listened to that a little guy, bit. He's, yeah. he's the same. I think he's a former prime minister. He's the same mm -hmm. accent as me. Tombs? Like, like I forget that. I don't want to quote names because I can't forget. Oh, okay. But and uh the the and I said, wow, I look at the next country, Estonia or something. That guy went to Penn, he grew up in Delaware. Like his family got his family left in like the 50s parents left in the 50s um because of the the um soviet union and 
he's born and raised in Delaware. He went to University of Pennsylvania. And then when the Soviet Union collapsed, he went back to his country and now he's the prime minister. Like Tumas like Hendrick. A lot of Western. I think that's oh, his Hendrick. name. Yeah, Tumas. Is he the one Tumas from New Hendrick. Jersey or the one from Delaware? <laughs> uh, let me one look. Of I forget. He which. went they to both like Columbia me. and University I'm... of Pennsylvania. I'm not sure. Well, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, the yeah. grad school. New Jersey. At... Leonia, New Jersey. He grew up in, in New Jersey. Yeah. yeah, North Jersey. Yeah. I think he has a little more of a New York accent. I have a South Jersey accent. But it's, but I like you hear him talk like, yeah, I recognize that accent. He's the president of Latvia. Is that what it's? Uh, Estonia. The Prime Minister. Estonia. Estonia. PM of Estonia. I apologize yeah. to people from there. I My... My uh, knowledge of all these places. I certainly know about them. I know where they are. They border Russia. I know that. They're a little north of the area we're talking about. But anyway, my point was... Fourth president. Sorry. Fourth president from 2006 to 2016. That's... There we go. So so if you think, like, will Putin start a war? Kick back and think, what does Putin see? And you don't have to apologize for him. You can just say, what does he see? He sees Zelensky talking about joining NATO, talking about developing nuclear weapons. He sees the U.S. talking about putting missile sites, you know, 20 minute flight time from Moscow. Uh, he sees a guy from New Jersey that's the prime minister of a country on his border. <laughs> like, like you're saying, OK, what if what if the prime minister of Canada grew up in Moscow and was a communist, hardcore right. communist? Actually, maybe he did. Uh, that's off topic. <laughs> I was um, gonna say, isn't Trudeau? <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean that. Let me let's switch to Mexico, a freer, a freer place, um, or uh, you know, or, or or say you know Syria. You know, I, I don't want to talk about a. If you want to compare countries, like we could talk about Sydney, Australia, which is a really terrible, oppressive place to live. Like, yeah, you're better off in Syria right now. Damascus yeah. is. You, you can walk out on the street, go to a restaurant in Damascus. Like Damascus is fine. I'd rather live in Damascus than Sydney. <laughs> anyway, I really want to say Damascus, but off okay. Topic. Uh <laughs> Damascus. That's Sydney. Damascus is is uh, <laughs> a freer place, a less oppressive place to live right now. Right now, but it could change next week. All these places are changing. We strayed from the topic. <laughs> That's all right. I, I mean, or maybe uh... not. Or maybe we didn't. We talk about the hypocrites. Yeah, no, and I think it's at nature of the media. This is one of the biggest uh I mean, there's a lot of black pills that I've been swallowing lately, but one of the biggest ones is this 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 war serves as a reminder to me that uh both the right and left are pretty united on supporting the military industrial complex and uh inflating it and or taxing us to support wars financially and if need be um you know get involved i mean i'm still i'm still not sure we won't actually be involved uh like physically at some point i don't know we are involved uh, biden, we already biden, are involved no but i mean like troops like biden's alluded to sending troops at, at some point and like you know i mean we're sending equipment we're sending money um it's a little bit of a black pill to realize that like the people in charge, no matter what party, they all seem to be pretty excited about the prospect of killing innocent people and getting involved in that. And like, that's their. Send the money to talk about the no fly sign here. Hillary Clinton 
like, oh, you got to protect the people of Ukraine. Like, what? You, yeah. It's the same party, like you said. And and this idea that we're not involved, we talk about, like, we're heavily involved, heavily, and have been for decades. Like, like I was thinking through, like, a home invasion analogy. So here's a scenario. Sometimes this this will help a normie understand this. So suppose your neighbors come to you on your block and they say, we're going to break into Jeff's house, John's house next door and like take all his stuff. Um, and you say, I don't want any part of that. I don't, that's not cool. I don't want to be involved in that. Um, but you go to all the planning meetings and you think about it like, <laughs> well, if we do this, he's going to get really mad and we go back and forth. And then when they decide, okay, we are going to invade. Then you stand out on the sidewalk right in front of his front door and you hand guns to every person here. Here's a gun. Here's a gun. Here's a gun. Here's a gun. But no, I'm not involved. I'm on the sidewalk. I'm not going in the house. Like I'm not, I'm not part of this home invasion. I'm just out here on the sidewalk, minding my own business, handing guns to people. That's what we're doing. I don't know. Do the normies understand that example? Cause it's the same thing. Sorry. Yeah. I went off a little bit there. You, yeah. you know what I mean though? The analogy of, of an individual often helps people understand a situation. And there's my analogy. Is it okay to stand on the sidewalk and hand guns to the guys running in your neighbor's house to take his stuff or to take over the house? I don't know. Maybe they're going to squat there. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're doing. So when I say we're involved, like we're deeply involved and have been for decades. And all these same names keep coming up, including Joe Biden. I hope yeah. we don't get kicked off YouTube for talking about this. No, but I mean, and, it's, and, and I mean, it is true. I mean, you just have to go, go watch. I mean, go look at some of the stuff that's been said in the past. Like we said earlier, the the Oliver Stone documentary has been deleted from YouTube for a reason. You can still find it. You, uh, Ukraine on but, fire. You can find it. Yeah, I mean, but Od it's Odyssey. even if you can't find it on YouTube, it's also on Vimeo and yeah, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, this is stuff that was mainstream. Like they were willing to admit. Um, the only reason that it's being thrown down the memory hole now is because it's inconvenient facts. They're in, as Al Gore would say, it's an inconvenient truth. Some of this stuff, it's right? an inconvenient so, truth, and we and we've yeah. been involved. I was looking up Obama to, to, when I was thinking about what I was going to talk about here. Um, how much did he know about Joe Biden? <clears throat> and so I find I found an article. Uh, and this is come a quote like Obama admitted that the U.S. brokered a deal to transition power in Ukraine. That's a CNN interview in 2015. Uh, the article's there and there's a video of it. <laughs> and the video says video unavailable. <laughs> it's a YouTube link. So like that was probably there since 2015. Fine. But, I, you know, I didn't take go into the Wayback Machine and try to find it. But um it was an article using that as the as the proof and that yep. video has been removed like they don't want us to hear obama in 2015 saying that the us brokered a deal to transition power in ukraine but obama said it yep and and his yep. secretary of state his ambassador to ukraine and his vice president were all heavily involved they don't we they don't want us to hear about that and that's one of the lies that the mainstream media is is it's one of the things they're not telling us about not talking about yeah an investigative journalist should be going down this this whole path i want a timeline and i don't have a timeline i can just tell there's a lot of stuff here yeah all right let's we've we've done ukraine for an hour and a half keith uh let's switch and we to need a another journalist 
I know, but let's switch to a little bit of frivolity. I apologize. Yeah, um, I, I apologize for Elsa. She will be back. I don't know what's uh, going on another, over today. I'll put another but, hat on. Uh, try to get my that's good. Yes. my head straight. Yeah, do that. Put another hat. Let's let's just do something frivolous. Uh, did you see the? Uh, did you see the Oscars? Did you see the famous clip from the Oscars? Oh, I was afraid you were going. No, I didn't. I am because some people in chat were talking about it, and I think it's kind of funny. The Oscars. Okay, yeah. Let me see. Let me see. This will be a, okay. a fresh reaction. So, uh, I, the clip that I have is uh, only the is yeah. I'm gonna have to preface this. So, um, <laughs> Chris Rock was hosting. And he made a joke. So Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, I guess is her name. Uh, I guess she has a disease called alopecia. And her hair was starting to fall out or whatever. Like eventually, I think you lose all your hair eventually. So she's shaved her head um, to kind of preempt that. You know, just, you know, so it's not patchy or whatever. She just shaved her head and embraced the bald thing. Um, and Chris Rock made some joke about her uh, being in gi jane 2 um like because i guess in gi jane which i never watched but gi jane featured a an actress with a bald head i guess i don't know if it was sinead o'connor or someone playing sinead o'connor but regardless it was gi jane 2 featured an actress with a shaved head and so that was his his comment and um he makes the comment and you see the camera goes to like will smith for a second and will's initial reaction is to laugh and the camera goes away um and then presumably Will changes his mind. Someone says it was Demi Moore. Thank you for that. Uh, presumably he changes his mind and he walks up onto stage. So let me show you this. Uh, it sounds good. Yeah. And I do have a hint about what Will did. I know that Will Smith did something because people have been. Yeah. You ready? Doing it. Yeah, go. <laughs> Oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. You fucked my name out your fucking mouth. Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane joke. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I can, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Sorry, there's Japanese the in the background huh? because the uh, American version is censored. Because <laughs> you can't afford show. <laughs> they up. don't want us to see. Um, I always like Will. I always like Will Smith as an actor. He won. He's pretty good. I don't think he was acting. He didn't seem no, like he was I acting there. I think, I think that's the real Will Smith. And now I understand some of the uh, memes that I've seen <laughs> and <laughs> comparisons of Will Smith. All I know is Will Smith hit somebody. I have no idea why. <laughs> um, yeah, that's not appropriate. It's not appropriate. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I. Chris Rock's joke was rude, but you don't need to go smack someone for it. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think. I, I think it's just. I see I see a lot of like pent up anger in that guy just for like Yeah, there's just a lot of anger. He didn't apologize. So 
He apologized to everyone yeah, that'll else. Yeah, that will be interesting to see if he backs down and apologizes eventually. He didn't. Um, he didn't. Um, and there's there so is the, like debate. Some people say it wasn't over the line. Judson, are you do you mean the joke or the smack? Because some people have said like, yeah, defending his wife, like, and and even nah. though I think it's assault, I don't think it's like, I wouldn't put the guy in jail for it. I'd be like, yeah, you know, he didn't. He he hit him once. It was inappropriate. I probably find him and be like, look, you know, don't do that. Uh, it's, it's not, you know, I wouldn't. He he slapped him. Is that what he did? I think he slapped him. Yeah. Um, and Judson and said it's... he meant the joke. It was he says the joke wasn't over the line. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it was particular. I mean, it was. I guess Will's just very sensitive about. It. I don't know. Uh, so I I'm not a guy who cares about celebrities usually at all, and I never watch the Oscars. I never think about watching the Oscars, but it was all over Twitter. So uh, I had to go. I had to go mm-hmm. look at it, and uh, there's your. Well, I guess I mean there is the, there's a good the good part about it is I did find out that the Oscars happened. I mean I didn't know about that. I <laughs> um, <laughs> was another. F. E. York chat. says, <laughs> I think I'd be permanently mad too if the last time my wife had hair, it was my son's best mate pulling it. <laughs> I don't know exactly what that joke is because I don't really follow, but I I have a vague idea. My understanding is that he's in an open marriage with his wife. So, oh. uh, I mean, I thought maybe it was something to do with GI Jane two, whatever that is. No, I'm pretty it's sure not I saw GI Jane one, which was a fun movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> if I remember right, um, and I don't I don't think it was Demi Moore. Yeah, but no, someone said I remember that more. as being kind of a fun movie, you know, an obvious plot kind of movie, but fun. If you need yeah. a frivolous evening, that's what that's my recollection of that one. I didn't Sometimes know there was a sequel. Do. And usually, I know I don't think there is a sequel. Anyway. I think he's joking about there being a sequel. I don't think there is a sequel. Oh. He was saying that she should be in the sequel because she has a shaped head. That was the joke. Yeah. It wasn't particularly. It is. But she Demi doesn't Moore, have a way. shaved head going into Demi Moore. Yeah. She doesn't have a shaved head going into it. I think they shave her head because she decides to join the army or whatever the marine. Oh, really? Is. Then no. she turns out to be a great marine. That's that's the movie. Spoiler alert. Uh-huh. I would say it's a spoiler alert, except like ten minutes into it, you can already guess what the plot's going to be. So yeah, it's like a dippy, typical girl thing. Girly girl shows up at the army barracks and they shave her head and she can't hardly do anything and then it turns out she becomes the great army person at the end it's a it's a fun it's a fun movie if i had a teenage daughter i might you know watch it with um yeah women it's a women can do it kind of a movie if i'm remember i hope i'm not missing it's a girl power movie yeah i think we have too many girl power movies now but that's fine it's fun sit down and have a glass of wine and watch a movie and when you don't feel like doing anything some evening, that kind of movie. Yeah. I think it was fun. Right. Um, but yeah, I hope there isn't a sequel where that Will Smith isn't in it. He's a little old for army movies now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's good. Yeah. So that's like another topic. Yeah. If I, if well, you switch hats, like what's another thing they're not talking about? Like where's Falcon? Yeah. I was going to say they're not, they're talking about this. <laughs> we don't have to dwell on Will Smith. What else? What else are they not talking about that we should be talking about? 
I could think of several things. Like, what happened to Fauci? Like, you know, does Putin get the Nobel Prize for medicine? Yes. Um, Fauci seems to be gone. Uh, You know, and that that was a line that was like, oh, let's go do this. Let's go do this Ukraine thing. And everybody's like, Ukraine, where's my flag? Where's my flag? Um, Fauci's gone. Uh, Yemen, nobody's talking about Yemen. Like, I think that should be like all What's going on in Yemen? Tell us. Well, the U.S. government for many years has been buying oil from Saudi Arabia and supporting their invasion and bombing and killing, basically genocide in Yemen. And that's ongoing. Um, You can say, well, we are not part of it. Well, we refuel the planes and we we do all the plane maintenance. Um, The U.S. could stop that tomorrow if they wanted. Like the Saudis are not going to keep. American fighters going and, and ballistic missiles and right. like, you know, they know how to do some of that stuff, but they're, they're oil guys. Like they know how to do oil pretty well, but um, even that's with our help. Like, so that's a story that I think is, is not being discussed. That should be um, what's happening in Yemen. Um, think of some others. How about the national debt? Like where's this billion dollars coming from? Um how, how long is noticed... it going to be before they collapse the money system? Like, should I buy all Bitcoin or, or, or all? I, yeah. I don't know what ha- to do. Have you noticed that the stories about the increasing stories about how uh, prices are high because of this or that or whatever? And it's it's all it's all Putin. designed with one goal, which is whatever the reason prices are high, it's not Joe Biden and it's not inflation. Like those are the things it's not. As long as it's not one of those two things any harebrained theory about why prices are rising somewhere is printable as long as it doesn't blame mm-hmm. Biden. And as long as it doesn't blame money printing. Um, yeah. Or blame is, Trump uh, by the way, <laughs> because this, yeah. you, you, sure, you, can you know, or, yeah. or Obama or, or Bush or however far you want to go back. But you have to remember like Trump, I mean, Congress did it. Congress proposed it, right. but, it, but it's a president bill. Trump signed it. Trump totally promoted the idea of print money. Um, the stimulus checks, like you could back up a little and say, if you don't like the gas price right now, why did you cash your $1,200 check that Trump signed? But so you can talk about the subject, but if you're talking to a, you can blame Trump, but you can't blame the money printing part of Trump because you can't blame money printing. That's not allowed. Because money printing is fine. If you're, because in theory has taken over. Um, Yeah. But that, that's obvious. Like, I mean, you don't have to know very much about economics, like actual real economics, to have seen this happening 100 years ago. It's just a continuing flow. So yeah. I see like very conservative, hardcore Republicans um, that think they should put Trump back in in 2024 and justifiably see Biden as a disaster. Like, yeah, OK, that part's true. Um but if you had Trump as president, are you saying that gas wouldn't be? I know it's higher in California, but you know, four over four, five dollars a gallon. Like, I don't know that. Like, I think Trump would have. Trump didn't really like Putin. I, I, I don't know what Trump would have done. Um, I mean, he'd allow the like, printing. You know, he would allow more pipelines and that kind of stuff in the U.S. But but he did want to print money, so. Print money. Still get that he inflation. Spend... 
Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it happens with every president. So uh, you can look at the each president with very few exceptions. Like Trump was the biggest borrow and spend president in U.S. history until Biden came along. And the same is true about Obama. The same is true pretty much all the way back, way back. Yeah. Um, all the way back to uh, it might Jimmy Carter. It might, I don't know if that was true for Jimmy Carter, but it, like Reagan would definitely spent more borrowed more than Jimmy Carter. And I think almost everyone after him that that kept going. But you, um, you can look at the graph of the national debt and it's just and you look at yeah, the graph of what they're printing and you look at the graph of inflation. And guess what? It's all tied together. So. That's something that the media isn't talking about. This is a house of cards. This is not a sustainable system. You can't get a new credit card to pay off your credit card. And when that one hits a limit, get a new credit card and then get a new credit card and then get a new credit card and only write checks for the interest. Um, you can't keep doing you that. You can if everyone thinks apart. that you are going to go bomb other people and steal their stuff to pay for it eventually. Uh, which I think you is can, what the U.S. Can, has been counting on. You can keep it going. Yeah. And and um, and I'm not the one to predict when it's going to end. I have no idea because if you asked me t 20 years ago, I would say this is going to fall apart. And if you asked me 10 years ago, I would say this is going to fall apart. So predicting the future has a terrible track record. I think they can keep this going for a while more. Um, yeah. Maybe it'll, yeah. maybe it'll last till I'm dead. I don't know. I, well, I wouldn't count I mean, on it. So... We can actually link this back to some of the stuff that we've talked about already, because um, one of the things that I think that was smart that Putin did, by the way, it's amazing that calling him doing something smart is now supporting him. Like you could be smart and evil. That's, that's a combination that's possible, by the way, just to point that out to people. But one thing that he did was smart was after all these banking sanctions, uh, he was like, OK, well, if you can only pay for your gas in rubles just like oh so you kind of have to be dealing in rubles and like that's you know mm -hmm. he can do that and um i my suspicion is that china behind the scenes is gonna help him resist some of these western sanctions but we talked about um uh we talked about saudi arabia and yemen and i and you know recently uh someone points out in chat the there was a saudi oil terminal that was bombed by a yemeni group um in fact, it became it was near um, the Formula One race this weekend was in Saudi Arabia and it was near there. And the there was extra security added and the drivers were nervous because because this had been bombed. And um, and s supposedly they are talking to China about denominating oil sales in Yuan. Um, and, you know, the the petrodollar is one of the reasons for our reserve currency status is the petrodollar. It's one of the reasons that we can. Uh, you know, everyone has to peg everything to the dollar. It's the standard. And I think, um, I don't think it'll happen overnight, but I think slowly people are going to start abandoning it. And China doesn't really, they hold a lot of dollars. Um, so they don't want them to crash overnight. Uh, it's not an optimal strategy for them, but uh, taking over and becoming the, the Petro Yuan, like it's totally, it's totally possible. Um, and maybe, uh, maybe it will change the balance of power. You know, in the end, it's a messy thing. It's it'll be uh, messy and uncomfortable. But maybe in the end, it's it's a competition currency, which is a good thing. I would mm -hmm. rather the one wasn't the one <laughs> or the ruble. Right. 
but that is actually the outcome of what they're doing. What they're trying to do is they're trying to get oil to be traded between Russia and certainly Iran, maybe Turkey, China, uh, Pakistan, um, uh, you know, and, and more, maybe Europe. And they'll start chaining in one. In one. Um, yeah. That could happen. Uh, they've already, you know, when they shut down the SWIFT system, the, the international um, money exchange be- between banks. So like as part of the so-called shank- sanctions, you know, where they basically the U.S. government attacking the U.S. people and the Russian right. people. Um, all that happened with that is they're like, OK, I guess we need to set up another one. And they set up another one. I forget the name, but there's now they're they'll be back up to speed eventually with the replacement for that. It's not that hard. They got yep. software people in China and Russia. <laughs> like <laughs> yes, Russia they can do. put satellites up. Like they have people that can write software. They, they'll figure out banking software and they're going to set up an international currency exchange. And guess what? It's not going to be based in dollars. Right. That's the end result here. And I look at it kind of, you know, if you want to, you know, think about ending kind of the good thing to me in the end, like competition and currency is a good thing. I think Bitcoin's a good thing. I think getting rid of the petrodollar is a good thing in the end because it's going to make it harder for them to destroy the value of the US dollar. And I don't want yeah. them to do that. I'm sort of retired and, and it matters to me that the dollar <laughs> holds its value. Um, so what they're doing now is destroying the value of the dollar. And you don't see that on the, the evening news. Like they yeah. don't want to talk about that. All they do is say, yeah, let's send a billion dollars to Ukraine. Like, well, where are you getting that from? Um, they're, they're getting yeah, it from and- us in the end. They're getting it from us. Yeah. We're our kids, and our grandkids. I was going to say, we, we focus on taxes a lot often, but it's if you if you're someone who cares about the effect on the poorest people um printing is worse printing is a tax that disproportionately affects uh the livelihoods of the of the poorest people i mean you could argue well it affects everyone equally because it's it's printing um that already is not the same as the income tax, which is proportional. So it's already, if you're, if you're kind of the, which I'm obviously not, but if you're kind of of this progressive mindset that like the rich should pay a higher percentage and the poor should pay less printing, no one pays less. Like they all pay the same. Um, and, and worse than that, uh, it impacts the poor worse because they, they need to spend it. Um, and they can't move it. They don't have, they live off a much higher percentage of their income and the rich can move money around and try different assets, you know, move things to different assets to hedge bets. You can, you can move your money into other currency. You can like, there's things that you can do to kind of minimize the impact that this has on you. And, uh, and a small percentage of your day to day expenses is, you know, you have to keep that in dollars so that you can, but it's a small percentage of your wealth. Um, but if that's if your day to day expenses are 100 percent of your wealth, uh, like if that's if, it's, you know, you're living hand to mouth, you're paying those higher prices for everything. It's it's and we ignore it. And then I guess worse is what you're alluding to is when we borrow it, uh, then it's like, OK, well, destroy now your kids and grandkids are paying for it because they're going to have to. It's like, can you imagine taking out a credit card at one of these like ridiculous interest rate credit cards? 
maxing it out and then giving it to your grandkids as a gift. That's what we're doing. That's what we're do- hey, that's what doing. there's nothing left on it, but you got to pay it off later. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate okay boomer thing. Like that is I mean, the, the boomers are that they're, they're paying for stuff today, paying for goodies today using money that you borrow from your kids. So yeah, people, people do notice income tax. They see that. So like with Trump, not to harp on Trump anymore. Um, but you know, the, the tax was cut. Income tax were cut. That's cool. Um, corporate taxes were cut. That's cool. A lot of companies pulled stuff back into the U S uh, they want to return that. That tax is very visible. A lot of people don't recognize the tax of, of borrowing and printing money. Like those are two separate taxes that devalue the dollar. Um, I don't know what the numbers are, but maybe they're the biggest taxes. And, you know, say like, okay, it's great. They changed the, uh, you know, corporate tax down to 25 or whatever they did from 40 or something. Like, okay, that's cool. Or they changed the top marginal tax from 39, whatever it is, to 37 or 36. Like people see that like, oh, 3%. But they're not recognizing that they printed a trillion dollars or so. Um that's a huge, huge tax, bigger than this income tax stuff we're talking about. And it's long-term and the borrowing is a separate kind of tax where we're paying interest. Like someday, maybe it's gonna be in my lifetime, interest might be the highest um, expenditure of the federal government. And if they're unable to keep interest rates low by force, because there's no free market in money or in loans, uh, if if they lose control of the of the low interest rates that's kept artificially low, the 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 service of the national debt will be out of control. I I don't know how to fund that. I don't think, yeah. and they're not thinking about it. That's a news item that you don't hear much about. Um, but people, there are people that recognize this and see a disaster coming there. It and certainly Biden affects people's lives much more than what Russia is doing, right? Um, yeah. In the end, yes. I mean, you get everyone excited about putting a Ukrainian flag in their Twitter profile and and getting excited about all that, but you know, in the meantime, uh your livelihood's being taken away from you by force and destroyed um through through monetary policy. It's it's it, monetary policy is a tough one cuz people their their eyes glaze over, they don't want to talk about it. It seems kind of boring, but it it has such an impact on it's just not an immediate impact. It's just, it's not like, it's not as obvious as it's not as immediate, but it's much, it's got a much bigger impact on people's lives than they, than they regularly recognize and imagine. Um, and it's, it's how politicians get away with almost everything that they do is they, uh, you know, they print money, borrow money, whatever, so that they can fund whatever their pet projects are at your expense. So, all right, well, Keith, any last things? We've gone for just about two hours. Any last comments, thoughts? People are not the government. Yeah, it's a good thing to remember. I find myself saying that all the time. I'll say we or whatever. And it's like, it's not we. I didn't vote for any of these people. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, and someone, someone, sometimes people get, get on my case for saying, like talking about boomers as a class and they're, they're technically correct because not all boomers did this either, right? Some boomers opposed this their whole lives and didn't do this. Uh, 
boomers as a group yeah. did did some damage. me actually i'm i'm a, like a right. tail end technically a tail end i think i'm the last year or something but or, or within a few years i don't know where the line is but technically i'm a boomer but i'm not a boomer really i don't think right the, it's it's I a group categorization has... doesn't work at the I... edges like every other group like that yeah um, and i think in many ways yeah, I've, I've has, has ceased to be about uh time that you were born and and more about an attitude and and mm -hmm. and that kind of thing so um, i didn't vote for this i didn't vote for joe biden um yeah greg de points out pelosi and biden are silent generation yeah the silent so they also generation. they're yeah. the the silent generation is the policy the, the kind of bureaucrats the the middle managers keep their heads down and and keep doing the thing they're not they don't have big <laughs> that, visions but they just kind of keep expanding the government right is that the one after the greatest generation? The last time the so. government tried to start a yeah. world war? Yes. Or successful. <laughs> yeah. successfully. It's the next generation. So hopefully maybe. they aren't successful this time, um, but it is the yeah. same kind of thing. That's kind of the ultimate question. Will they manage to start World War Three? They're trying pretty hard. They are trying pretty hard. Uh, I, hope I hope they don't. Um, and that's all I feel like I could do is try to point out, like, don't start World War Three. That's not a good idea. It yeah. didn't really go well in the end last time. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I think I forget who we had a conversation with the other day, but um, I don't think, I think a lot, I think a lot of people are kind of saying, "Oh, this, they're not about to start World War Three. We should, you know, stop talking about that. That's not, that's not about to happen." I'm not convinced of that. I don't know. Uh, I think they could, they could mistakenly start World War Three pretty easily. I, I think they could. I wrote an article the day after the invasion called Will They Start? Will They Successfully Start World War III? And uh, I don't know, what was that three, four weeks ago? Like, I still, everything I wrote in there is still true. Like, I want to write a part two on it um, and just continue on with that thoughts. But that's what it looked like to me the day after the invasion. Um, yeah. And, and I do think that is uh, not saying that they want to annihilate the earth but that is what you're talking about you you got yeah. all the sable rattling between the the countries that have 90 percent of the weapons nuclear weapons on the earth so this could vary the outcome here could be biden doesn't get reelected because you got to start a war to get reelected right if you don't start some war you probably can't get reelected in either party i don't think it matters which party you're in it works great for both um so that's kind of look like the minimum if nothing really happens to they could, you know, destroy 90% of the surface of the earth. That's sick. And, and what's going to happen in between those two? I, I don't know, but that is the game that we're talking about here. It's somewhere on that, that spectrum, if you will. It's that's odd not a very lighthearted end. No, but you know, I, I, again, this is, maybe I'll get in trouble for saying this, but I, I feel more comfortable relying on Putin's sanity to not do that than I do relying on the sanity of Western leaders to not do that. Like he, he's an evil guy. He's got an agenda. He's a nationalist. He's a little bit of a dictator. I don't think he wants to destroy the earth. Uh, and I think a lot of the Western leaders are more nihilistic, less, they have less of a long-term vision. Um, they're more reactionary and they're more likely to do like, we're almost relying on him to be the one who's like, all right, I'm going to be aggressive and I'm going to do bad things, but I'm not going to go that far. Mm -hmm. 
I, I mean, I, I, have, I hope. Yeah, Putin's there. It's got his on the button. Oh, no, 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 no. And Biden's. Mm, Biden's and, like, like, button. Who, who, yeah. <laughs> oops, did I just it'd be like you know the Cuban missile I thought I was crisis. ordering oops. another oops or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna there'll be a newscast. He says, Oopsie. Sorry about that. I thought that was the call a <laughs> um, nurse button. I don't know. That was the that was I want another ice cream, please. <laughs> now there there are some controls to controls on that. So I there's know. probably somebody making sure he doesn't eat too much ice cream. <laughs> and and there's also somebody making sure and saying like at least say are you sure when he says to launch nuclear missiles at Moscow say yeah um, but it, but it 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 is concerning you know lighthearted as we sound it's concerning that these are guys that are rattling sabers that can push a essentially push a button it's not quite a button but they can push a button and destroy Moscow or DC like these guys have that power so. Yeah. You know, the, the converted to self-defense, like if you're in a situation, like the number one thing you want to try to do is de-escalate, right? Yeah. Back yeah. away and dis de-escalate. Don't pull your weapon if you don't have to. If you can talk your way out of it, talk your way out of it. Like, like, and, and these guys aren't doing that. It's yeah. a, you, you picture them, two guys with six shooters going, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. That's how, that's how I picture this. And, uh. It's not a very lighthearted end, as I said before. No. Um, I don't want them to start World War III. I kind of end and end with that. And where's Fauci? And let's let's I'll end my closing with I nominate. <laughs> That's a funny one too. That that one works fine. I was going to nominate Vladimir Putin for the Nobel Prize in Medicine. Sure. Yeah, that's a better one. Yeah, nominate Vladimir Putin for the Nobel Prize. I, I think uh, although he, the he FDA did more than anyone else. They're about they're about to approve a fourth jab because uh, you know we need more jabbing. It hasn't been enough. There's been a lull in jabs, so maybe Fauci will get resurrected. But uh, I think um, yeah, I'll second your nomination for Vladimir Putin for Nobel Prize in, in medicine. Okay. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> thank you, Keith. Um, thank you all for all watching, right. and um, we will uh, be back next week with uh, Barbara Kay and someone else I'm, who I forget uh, to talk about whatever they think we're being lied to about. So um, we'll see you for then, and I'll see you on Wednesday for Dangerous Thoughts. I don't know what else is going on this week. Beverly can tell me um, in chat if it's important and I need to say something about it. But otherwise, have a good day, and we will see you guys later. Dos Fidania. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. 
The content of this production may corrupt previous psychological programming. If you encounter any of the following individuals, please administer government-issued neurotoxin immediately. I'm not sure what the neurotoxin will do because I am not a biologist. CRT is a complex legal theory that is needed to combat the epidemic of racist babies. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis Never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.